Well, good morning. I'm glad you're with us today. We've chosen to worship with us as we spend time uh, singing songs of praise, uh, spend time in prayer, uh, hear about ministry reports, things that are going on in our community and our world, as well as dig into the scriptures a little bit as well. Uh, we just want, I just want to begin the message by letting you know that, that um, we understand this is a very different and unusual and difficult time, and we want to be there for you. So if you have any, uh, any things we can be praying about, uh, if you have any uh, needs that we can help meet, please, please let us know. Contact the office and we'll be, it'll be a privilege for us to be able to pray for you and with you as well as um, help to meet some of the needs that we can do. So um, I want to begin this morning by letting you know that we're continuing on our sermon series, um, which is called Life on Purpose. And uh, we're calling it Life on Purpose because... The, the primary question we're asking is, what does it mean to live a life of purpose, a life on purpose? And today we're going to pick up where we left off last week with a person in the example of, of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus in his words and his actions, what did he communicate to us about what is most important in life? So last week we saw that we are designed in God's image for, for connections, for relationships, we saw that we are our prim- one of our primary purposes in life, a foundational purpose for us, is to have uh, life-giving, healthy, growing, intimate relationships with God, our Creator, but also with other human beings. Remember what Jesus uh, answered, what he said when he was asked a question by a, a young man in Matthew 22? Jesus was asked a question, what is the greatest commandment? In other words, what is the most important thing I can do in my life, with my life? And Jesus responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And this week we're going to we're going to we're going to focus in on the second part. What does it mean? What does it look like, practically speaking, to love others? Now, few would argue that few would deny that Jesus life is not the most consequential, most impactful life that's ever been lived. You just look at at how people's actions and attitudes and values and and thoughts have been shaped by him since he walked this earth. What made his life so profound, so consequential? Well, I think the answer, I think the answer, even if it may not surprise you, the answer is going to is going to challenge you. So let's take a look. Let's dig in into the passage that was just read by Hannah out of Mark 10. Now, as we know, Jesus picked 10 guys to, to kind of be his disciples. They were his guys, his group, his, his posse. He, he did life with them. He poured his life into them. He mentored them. He taught them. He laughed with them. He cried with them. And, and it must have been an incredible rush for these 12 guys to have been chosen by Jesus. A, a whirlwind of, for them uh, over the three years they spent with Jesus. Jesus did miracles. Jesus spoke before thousands. Jesus um, stunned them every day with what he would choose to do and what he would focus on. Uh, And these 12 guys, they were in the inner circle. So guess what they start to do here in Mark chapter 10? We're told that one day they're walking along the road. And we don't know if Jesus was ahead of them or behind them, but he was a little bit. He had to be one or the other because they begin to whisper. They, they want to make sure that Jesus doesn't hear what they're talking about. And what are they talking about? They're talking about, they're arguing over who is going to be the most successful, the most important in Jesus' kingdom. 
it makes me think of uh, when you're a second or third grade boy and you're on the playground with your buddies and you begin to argue over, okay, I know who's the best athlete or who's going to be the smartest or who's going to become the richest when they grow up or who's going to be the most famous, so on and so forth. That's kind of what's going on here. The disciples are bickering over who is, they're jockeying for position, basically, bickering over who's going to be the most important. How does Jesus respond? Um, Let's take a look at the chapter before, Mark chapter 9. It's going to sound kind of familiar. They came, they, the disciples and Jesus, they came to Capernaum. When he was safe at home, he asked them, What were you discussing on the road? The silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another with one another over who among them was greatest. He sat down and summoned the twelve. So you want first place? Then take the last place. Be the servant of all. So you think that would have been settled. Jesus was pretty clear here. But no, we hear the same thing happen again in chapter 10, which which was just read. They they begin to argue again over who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus tells them very plainly, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. And then using one of his favorite titles for himself, the Son of Man, which emphasizes Jesus' full humanity, humanity and full divinity, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, so the key to the greatest, most forceful, most impactful life that has ever been lived was servanthood. Putting others before yourself. And God wants our lives to be marked by servanthood as well. He wants us to, to give our lives away, just as Jesus did. So how can we live life on purpose? We move up by moving down. It sounds a little bit odd. Move up by move down. Think about how we use the word down. Right now we're in a down economy with a down market, at least most days. If somebody screws up, it's called a downfall. If a sports team is on a losing streak, they call it a, they're on a, on, in a downslide. If a neighborhood is losing value, it's going downhill. If you get laid off at work, it's called downsizing. When you aren't doing great in life, it, you're, you're down and out or you're downhearted. And Jesus is saying that down is somehow up and down is good and down is best. And we're supposed to be down with that? Yes, we are. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes what it means for Jesus to move down for us. Chapter 2 of Philippians, uh, of the book of Philippians, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. So Jesus, he literally moved down from heaven to earth. He moved down to humble beginnings and an ordinary life. He moved down to a place of service. And ultimately, Jesus moved down to a place of sacrifice, death on a cross. And the result of his moving down 
we're told Jesus is exalted to the highest place in his Lord above all. This past summer, I had the opportunity to visit a couple of friends and ministry partners in Turkey. And while I was there, I, I uh, had the one day I took a, a tour through an underground city. Um, I'm going to show you a few pictures of the underground city. I'm not sure how well it translates, but it was really amazing. It was originally carved in the ground in the time before Christ walked this earth. Some think it's over 3,000 years old. In the 5th through 8th centuries, Christians in the area used to use this underground city as a place to hide from invaders who, who would come into the area, who would try to capture, torture, and kill Christians if they did not give up their faith in Christ. Uh, this place is incredible. It could hold up to 5,000 people. It had water wells, had stables, had a vineyard and a, and a, vine, a wine press, had graveyards, churches, air shafts, etc. It had four levels. The deepest was over 75 yards down. And one thing about the tour was it was one way only. Once you started, there were no exits. So if you wanted to be able to move back up, you had to move all the way down. If you want to live a life of purpose, on purpose, we are to learn from Jesus' example and learn from his own words. We must move down to move up. Next, let's take a look again at Mark 10, this time verses 43 and 44. Not so with you. Jesus is doing a contrast here. He's doing a contrast. In the verses before, he's talking about how in the rest of the world, people of authority lord it over other people. They, they use it for their own advantage. But Jesus says, not so with you. Be countercultural. Don't operate in the ways of the world in relationships with others. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. But many who are first will be last. And the last first. How do I live a life of purpose on purpose? Go last to, to finish first. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away. He said, go last to finish first. Now, that, that's a foreign concept for most people. This idea of go last to finish first. No, we need to, we need to push forward to get our, get our way, to make our mark in life, to get what's coming to us, to get ours, our, our piece of the pie. It's, but Jesus says, go last to finish first. It's, it's a whole new set of values. The world does not teach us to serve. I mean, think about the American dream. Um, we're not taught to serve. Our goal is bigger house, bigger bank account, better vacation, better experiences, work hard. So one day people will serve us. When we adopt that, our goals are the opposite of Jesus' goals. So why do, we, why do we trade a life of significance and purpose for a life of selfishness? Why is it that we will do anything but give of our resources and our time, anything but selflessly serve, even when it costs us the life that we long for, that Jesus came to give us? Well, there are a few reasons. First, we don't think serving will give us the life that we long for. We don't think it's the right path to follow. We're afraid that if we were to give, we would lose. When it comes to serving, whether it's giving time or, or resources, money, where we think it will cost us more than we gain. It doesn't compute for us. We think first is first and last is last. More is more and less is less. But Jesus says that's not the way it works in his kingdom. That's not what we're designed for or created for. 
Over and over, Jesus tries to hammer this through to his disciples. For example, in Mark 10 again, this time verse 28, Peter says to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. He's basically saying, we've done this servant thing. We've given up time, we've given up money, we've given up our careers, and now our butts are out or hanging in the wind. So this is worth it. Right, Jesus? Because everything, everybody around us thinks we're idiots for, for doing this, for, for being with you. Everybody thinks we've thrown all our lives away. So this is going to be work out for the best. Right, Jesus? Right? Jesus responds, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus says, yes, it will be worth it in this life, but also even more so in the life to come. Because because my way of thinking, my way of living, of serving, it's of my kingdom and it will be worth it. So keep giving up your life. Go last to finish first. How else do I live a life on purpose? We give our lives away in service. Jesus certainly deserved to be served. He had every right and reason to tell others to bow down and and to serve him, but he did not. He poured out his life for the sake of others. He gave his life for others. It wasn't easy and it certainly was not convenient. But he chose to spend his life serving others. Richard Foster, a Christian author and speaker, says this. There's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When I choose to serve, I retain control about whom I serve and when I serve. But when I choose to be a servant, I've given up all rights in all control. In other words, service is not about adding another activity to your calendar. Friday, I'll do this. I'll go serve here. I'll go help this person. I'll do this. No. Jesus says it's about being a servant, pouring out your life, giving your life away wherever God has placed you. I'd like to share a video now from somebody in our congregation uh, who is choosing to serve in a very specific way in a very specific situation. So let's let's take a listen to this video now. So I'm Shelly Schroeder, and we moved here in 2001, and we've been at First Covenant Church since, since 2001. In 2017, I had volunteered with Samaritan's Purse in disaster relief after Hurricane Harvey um, went down to Rockport, Texas, and helped with um, mud outs and clean up then. And I just knew um, during that time that this was a ministry that was just near and dear to my heart, and I would be absolutely thrilled to continue to serve um, with them in the future. So I've been on their mailing list. I have been, I've gone through the DART team, which is the disaster, um, disaster assistance response team. Um, it's international, and um, they have their team of about 70 doctors and nurses that go on a whim, literally, and help um, in disaster. So um, I'd always dreamt of being a part of that team, um, but I knew maybe it wasn't the right timing. So I have just over the years put my name out there and applied and um, trusted that God would would let me know in his timing if it was if it was a right fit for me and for them. So 
I um, replied to an email that I had received to see if I could come and be helpful. And I just prayed once again that, God, if you want me to do this, that um, you would open the doors, close the doors, whatever that meant. And the doors just flew open. So the, the day that I replied, um, I got a call back within 24 hours. And not only were they talking to me over the phone about my availability, but they, they actually just hired me right then on the spot. I'd already had an application in and it just went really fast from there. So they send people in different tiers. So, um, and in different, uh, timings and it's apparently changes by the hour. So they, I tentatively am scheduled to leave May 4th and, um, I will be gone three weeks and we serving in their field hospital, um, which is right outside of Mount Sinai as a lot of people have seen that area. Um, they are treating COVID patients there and um, I'll be providing nursing care on an ICU level. I definitely have moments where I'm super nervous um, and I get overwhelmed with fear, but I also have um, just the complete peace and joy um, knowing that God is sending me for a purpose. don't even know exactly what that's going to look like, but I'm really thankful for the opportunity and I know where he guides, he provides, and we say that a lot in our family. So I, I feel fearful at times, but I also know that when God calls you, there's a purpose in it, there's a plan, and there's definitely work to be done. And even if I can just hold a hand or encourage or help someone to not feel so alone, I think that would be even wonderful. God just taught me that just because you're called to apply or you're called to do something small, um, it doesn't mean that it's even for right now. So I'm thankful for that, learning the, the, the lessons in obedience through all of this and how he calls us to small things sometimes to do bigger things later. Definitely um, felt like called to pray a whole lot more for our country and for um, those who are battling COVID-19. And um, he's really taught me a lot about obedience I get that little nudge in my heart when I know that I'm supposed to do something that he's asking me to do. And a lot of times it's not necessarily something I want to do. And so he's really taught me that obedience can be in the um, the smallest things as just replying to an email like what happened to me um, this time. I felt called to reply and, and it wasn't, I didn't know exactly how that would turn out. So just replying to an email and giving that to God and, um, trusting him with the end result. I would love to have prayer just for peace and protection of both myself and my family while I'm gone. I just pray for the the COVID patients that are struggling and literally gasping for air. It breaks my heart to think of what those situations are looking like. I would pray for salvation. I would pray that God be glorified through the whole situation. I know that's one of the verses that has come to my mind is Romans 8:28 about God. I know working things out for good um, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I know that the enemy is wanting to use this to kill, to steal, to destroy, and bring evil about. But I know that God is is bigger and he has better plans. Not all of us are are called to serve in New York City, of course, or or Turkey, or Africa, or, or wherever. But all of us are called to serve, to follow Jesus' example, to, to pour out our lives for the sake of others, to be people of compassion, compassion which leads us to sacrifice and service. 
And during this COVID-19 pandemic and all the things that are going on in our world, we have many, many opportunities to serve, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. I'd like to tell one final story. As a kid growing up, I, I loved to read stories of the Old West. For some reason, that just resonated with me. Maybe it was because I, I grew up in the country. We had cattle. We had horses. I did a lot of horseback riding growing up. And one group that caught my fancy was the Pony Express. I remember reading a book about it as a kid. And you were expected to, to ride 75 miles a day if you were a Pony Express rider. And you had to change horses every 15 to 25 miles. It was not an easy job. And other than the mail, the only baggage that you carried contained uh, maybe some flour, some cornmeal, and some bacon if you needed some, some sort of sustenance, I guess. In case of danger, you had a medical pack, which included turpentine, borax, and cream of tartar, of all things. In order to travel light and to increase speed in case you were attacked and had to make a quick getaway, you always had to wear short sleeves, no matter how cold it was. So how do you recruit volunteers for a, for a job like this? In 1860, a San Francisco newspaper printed this ad for the Pony Express. Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert riders willing to risk daily. Orphans preferred. I mean, you know, not exactly the kind of job that you'd want to respond to. Yet the Pony Express never wanted, never had a shortage of, of riders. You know, I want to be frank with you today about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Serving God is not a job for the casually interested. It's tough. It can be risky. It can be dangerous. God asks you for your life. He asks for service to be a priority, not just a, a pastime. He doesn't want servants who will give him the leftovers of their lives' commitments. Serving God is not a, a short-term responsibility. It takes a willingness to do whatever God wants, whenever God wants, and however God wants. It calls for us to lay down our lives in order to gain them. So back to our question, how do I live a life of purpose, on purpose? Well, I think a big part of what it means to live your life on purpose is to follow Jesus' example, to, to move down, to, to move up, to, to go last, to finish first, and to give away your life in service for others. Wanted. Gifted volunteers for difficult service in the local expression of the kingdom of God. Motivation to serve should be obedience to God, gratitude, gladness, forgiveness, humility, and love. Service will rarely be glorious. Temptation to quit place of service will sometimes be very strong. Volunteers must be faithful in spite of long hours, little or no visible results, and possibly no recognition except for from God himself. In eternity. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and his, willing, his willingness to move down to earth, to give his life away so that we could have life. Lord, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to work in us, to shape us more and more into people who reflect Jesus' values. Not the ways of the world, but the ways of the kingdom. People who put others first. Who in all things love you and love others as ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.